Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Why, hello, everyone. Can you believe it is December? What? Where did 2023 go? But anyway, as we are heading into the final month of the year, I'm really excited that you guys are here because we have a an author on today who wrote a book that my grown daughter is just, she can't stop talking about it. She has passed it on to friends to read. So she's very excited. <laughs> and I know you guys will be too. So today we have on uh, best New York Times bestselling author, Rebecca Hanover. And if you have not read her books yet, you are obviously in for a treat per my daughter, but I will read her bio so you can get to know her. Rebecca Hanover is the New York Times best-selling author of the Similars duology. After graduating from Stanford University with a BA in English and Drama, Rebecca joined the writing team of the CBS daytime drama Guiding Light. Yes, soap opera, guys, where she earned an Emmy Award. What? Still, she never lost her love of books, particularly YA. She now writes young adult as well as adult novels, which is like the book we're going to talk about today. And she writes full-time from her home in San Francisco, where she enjoys matcha lattes and complete lack of seasons. <laughs> when she isn't writing, she can be found in a yoga class or reading anything by Dav Pitt. Pilkey with her husband and three kiddos and you can learn more about her on her website I did put a link to her website right there on blog talk so if you're listening live or if you're listening later you can click that sign up for her newsletter check out all the cool things going on over there and I don't want to delay anymore you there Rebecca I'm here. What what an introduction. Thank you so much and it's it's so fun to be here. Um, oh, you're that's welcome. Funny. I haven't, I I hadn't reread my bio in a while. I'm in a while. I'm remembering. Um, yes, we we do um, we do just have perpetual sort of sixty degree weather over here. So, well, <laughs> what, it's funny because yeah. I'm a San Diego native, and they yeah. down in San Diego where it's always hot. We always say there is no colder day than summer in San Francisco <laughs> because you guys right. are always oh. cold and windy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. And summer is, I, yes, I think, is it Mark Twain who said that? I think, don't don't quote me, but um, the coldest summer I ever spent was, the coldest winter I ever spent was summer in San Francisco. Um, ah, that's good, yeah. <laughs> summer is especially cold. And then weirdly, October can be like super sunny and everyone's out in the park trying to enjoy it <laughs> while it lasts. So sort of upside down, it, we're, we're in the upside down over here. So. Yes, yes. And if you go to Rebecca's website, or I think on the Blog Talk site, too, I think your author pick, you're like sitting on one of the giant hills in San Francisco. But I've only been there a couple of times. But those are white knuckles, scary driving. I'm like, how do people drive here? (laughs) Because you go over the hill and you can't even see the bottom as you're driving. (laughs) It's crazy. And thank goodness we don't have ice. I mean, I don't know what would happen. We wouldn't be be able to drive on those so no yeah it, <laughs> you it just takes, slide down. it's a learning curve it, take, it takes getting used to it and then parking your like parking your car oh, on one of those you're terrified that. that it's gonna <gasps> roll down it's a whole thing yeah, a whole thing. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well 
we should talk about your book. So you have a new yeah. book out called The Last Applicant. And it, yeah. it well, I'll let you tell people about it because I've heard so it's, many rave reviews from my yeah, daughter and her I, friends. So <laughs> I'm so, that's the best thing you could ever say to an author. The best compliment when someone's, you know, sharing the book with, with friends that honestly can't, can't get better than that. Um, <laughs> Yes, that it is. Um, it's called The Last Applicant. Um, it's my adult debut. As you said, my other books are YA, YA series. Um, and this one is about um, uh, kindergarten admissions, which <laughs> sounds like such a uh, funny launching off point, but it's basically <laughs> um, sort of a cat and mouse kind of uh, psychological thriller between Audrey Singer, who is the admissions director at one of these elite um, private schools in Manhattan. And, you know, she's the decider of all these people's fate in terms of who's going to get into this um, fictional school, Easton. And then there's a mom who is so desperate to get her child into kindergarten that she starts to stalk Audrey. Um, and that's Sarah Price. And she's desperate and neurotic and um, the the book is told in, in from both of their POVs so you, you really get into their heads and it kind of turns into you know a, a, a dark and twisty journey for these two women um, set in this kind of you know high octane background backdrop of um, you know those that Manhattan world where the stakes are so high for everyone who is trying to get their kid into one of these schools and feels like it's going to be the end of the world if they don't. Right. Right. Well, and I was curious what your inspiration was for that, because you are a mom. Have you tried to get your kids into yeah. private school? Um, <laughs> where did yeah. this come from? Yes. Yes. That is a great question. So um, as, as, as everyone knows now, I live in San Francisco. Um, I used to live in New York when I wrote for um, Guiding Light, as you, oh. as you mentioned before, um, that's where it filmed actually. Um, Unfortunately, most of the soaps have kind of gone off the air except for a few. I think there's one or two still left. Um, but about half of them actually taped in New York and the other half in L.A. I um, so I lived that. in New York. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, I, so I was in my 20s. I had moved to New York wanting to do something creative, um, was, you know, living in a six-floor walk-up, dragging my laundry up all the flights and, you know, just uh, having this dream of being like an dream. artist, right? You know, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. The artist's the, dream. The artist's <laughs> dream, you know, and I was totally naive and all of that stuff, but ended up um, interning. I got an internship on Guiding Light that turned into a writing assist, writer's assistant gig and then ultimately uh, was able to write for the show, but um, it went off the air in 2009 um, and then I moved out to San Francisco. So to answer your question, yes, I have three kids. They are 12, nine and four. And um, we have gone through this sort of thing. But what I wanted to say is that it's, at a, it's definitely at a bit of a lower level here. I think, you know, Manhattan is like the epitome of really in every industry, right? Like sort of the high right. nature of it. So I think, mm -hmm. this, you know, I, I knew I had to set the book in New York. It was a no brainer that that's where, you know, there's so much wealth and competition and, you know, everyone, there, there's so many extremes there. It's sort of the epitome of extremes. Right. Um, but, so I have gone through it, but it, 
not to probably quite that level. <laughs> you didn't have to stalk <laughs> anyone. In, right. I didn't have to stalk anyone. I didn't. It was all above board and, you know, a fairly, fairly normal process. Although still, I mean, the one reason I really wanted to explore this topic is, you know, this whole idea of what kind of used to be called helicopter parenting, but now there's an Atlantic article where someone coined this term. So it, I certainly didn't come up with it, but this intensive parenting that is now sort of all the rage. And also I didn't even realize there's something called snowplow parenting where you actually push all the obstacles out of the way of your kids like a snowplow, oh which I find <laughs> kind of hilarious, truly. But I get oh it. I gosh. see it. We're all, we're all seeing this trend, right, um, mm-hmm. with honestly people really well-meaning parents just wanting their kids to kind of get a leg up and you know when I so when I did have the idea so I should get back to answering your question which is that I was having coffee with a friend at Starbucks who was asking me about preschool admissions which is even more (laughs) hilarious and sort of absurd but even for preschool you have you do have to submit an application for that (laughs) three-year-old yeah exactly let's all just totally um, have have a battle for those preschool spots um, to play with blocks. But anyway, so she was just asking my, but it was really more, she was asking about the different preschools and did I, what was my experience with, you know, the one that we had gone to, but my mind wandered and I'm sorry to that friend because I, that's when I got the idea for this book and I mm-hmm. thought of this, thought of this admissions director and would someone go so far as to actually stalk this person, you know, out of, out of this desperation sort of born out of, this idea of intensive parenting um, and right. that's kind of how it all how it all happened was it fun for you to dip back into kind of that soap opera mindset of making everything magnified and bigger and the stakes <laughs> higher and yep. because you know going from YA to adult is kind of a different ball game was yes. it fun for you yes it was it was interestingly um the writing of it came easier. I'm sort of, I was talking about this with a friend yesterday, and I feel like for me, whether I'm writing TV or YA or a, an adult novel, it's not so different in terms of the skill set. Like, obviously, you have to make adjustments, and you're adjusting the voices and the right. adjusting who, who your audience is going to be and the topics being discussed and all those things, because this book definitely is not for teens or kids. Um, and maybe some very like precocious teens if they read anything, but you know it's, it's edgy. It's edgy, so I would want to make that give that little warning. Um, but this, it's not so. The writing process felt similar because I'm a big outliner. I'm a big plotter, which I do okay. from my V writing days. Like I always have a really, really solid and pretty intricate outline before I start writing. Um, so that wasn't so different, but it was more vulnerable and raw writing this book because. I had, even though it is not, I, you know, it's total fiction and these are, you know, I, none of the characters are me at all. Um, I had to take so much, you know, I had to take so much from my current life and put it into the book in terms of like parenthood and what it means to be a mother and, you know, kids, my kids and things that, I mean, I never, ever could have written this book if I hadn't experienced the last 12 years of my life of being a parent. Like it's so, um, it's so the DNA of it is, it's totally, you know, it's not something, it's not something I could have come to with research for me, for this mm-hmm. book. It was, it was really born out of like my experiences. And so it felt more emotional and, and sort of raw in that way. 
Right. So that was interesting. And then the dairy are putting it out there. But I have to say people have totally respected that it's, it's not, you know, they know that it's not about my life or autobiographical in any right. way. <laughs> but, but, but then can sort of say that they see parts of me in it. And that, that seems like the perfect balance of, of what I would be. That's how I yes. would hope people would sort of view it. Yeah. It's interesting because like when I was a kid, there wasn't like this big competition for getting your kids in preschool and elementary school and all that kind of thing. And, and we, but I think parents have always wanted, you know, the best for their kids, but you didn't hear about like these college scandals where people are going to jail because right. they were paying people right. off to get their kid in. Right. And I think about, and I think about that and I'm like, you know, I wonder how much social media plays into all of this because that FOMO fear of missing out is really giant. Yep. And it didn't used yeah. to be that you would put pictures of your kid at their amazing school that they're in, but but now right. you do right. and you're thousands of followers, you know, do you think social yes. media kind of yes. plays a part in it? Yes. A million percent. You're so nailed it. Um, and my mom often says to me, you know, Re Rebecca, when I used to question, you know, I don't know what's a silly example, like use a pacifier for your kid or don't. You know, right. like there was no inter internet. There was Dr. Spock, mm -hmm. like that one right. book that had advice. And she was like, and then I, then I decided what I thought was best. I just, mm -hmm. I had a gut decision about what my kids and what was, and it, I mean, we could not be, you know, we've done a further from that 180 now. As, a, yes. as a culture now. It's like everyone yeah, knows mommy everything blog. about everything. Oh my God. Yes. Everyone knows what everyone else is doing and their decisions. And you see the kid with the tropes. I mean, I'm seeing, you know, on Facebook or Instagram, I'm seeing, I mean, Facebook is people I know, but Instagram, I mean, I, I could be seeing thousands of pictures of yeah. people's kids with like a trophy that I've never met in my life. And it, it's mm -hmm. absolutely influencing people. Like, Right. Because suddenly 100%. you're like, well, maybe my kid should do that, you know, and, yeah. and, yeah. and suddenly yeah. well intentions become, you know, this, this painted thing my yeah. my yeah. daughter grew up as a competitive figure skater and so I witnessed a lot of parents like living their dream through their kid and uh yeah. it, it's interesting to watch that and now that there's social media too it's like this you know two trains coming at you and exploding yeah. in the middle you know <laughs> because there's yeah. always been people yeah. want their kid to live their dream, be an Olympian, be, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, but now right. that there's social media to put pictures on there and videos and right. it's, it's, and it's wild. It's wild. And add to that, like, oh, and you need to be feeding them organically. You need yes. to be, you know, working, making sure their mental health is, I mean, it's like now we, we just, we're coming at us from every direction, you know, and it's for sure. It's, it's, <laughs> Totally something I, once, once I had the idea for the book, I think one of the reasons it really stuck with me over time um, was, was this, this theme that I hope to explore at least a little bit. And I have to say, I'm completely complicit in a lot of, I mean, we all are. So I certainly mm -hmm. know, I'm, I, I, I wanted to explore it and ask questions, but I certainly don't have the answers. But I hope the book maybe spurs people to think about it a little, you know, a little more deeply. 
Right. And that's the the gem of fiction. Uh, you know, people always ask, well, <laughs> they're well-meaning, but they're like, when are you going to write a real book? Um, you know, right. <laughs> but, right, I, right. but I actually think fiction can save the world because it gives yes. you a chance oh. to step out of yourself and look at that reflection yeah. and go, hmm, I don't, I don't really like that. You know, and you can right. actually make changes where it doesn't feel like a personal attack, you know. Yes. Oh, totally. I think we have space for every type of book out there. So um, as a yeah, lover of all, all types of books, I mean, I actually find myself reading. Um, there's a book out right now called Never Enough, and I'm forgetting the author's name, but it's, um, I'm, I'm reading it right now. And it's about this very topic, which is basically um, teaching kids that accomplishment is what they should be aiming for rather than achievement. Because I, I guess I, right. I'm probably mucking it up, but the idea that achievement is sort of that gold star that's a bit hollow. Like, it, you know, okay, what right. happens after you get the gold star? Then is there just right. another gold star that you have to get? You know, and I, I feel that as an adult. Like, oh, do I, you know, am I always just racing to achieve the next thing? Or am I focusing on accomplishing things that give me satisfaction? Um, and so, anyway, it's a, right. a great one to check out. Um, but there's room for both. There are room, there's room for really well-researched books like that. And then, as you said, also, also novels. Yeah, where you of can course. step into someone else's skin and go, yeah. oh. Yeah, that's a different <laughs> that's way a of looking slope. at it. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, totally agree. Well, I was going to ask you about your um, your YA duology, the Similars duology. I was poking around about that, and that happens in a private school too, right? I was yes. like, huh, what is it about you in private school? I know. <laughs> it, is so, it is so funny, and I'm working on another adult thriller that has nothing to do with school or academia, so um, I'm going to – it's, it's not break meant out. to be a – yeah, it's not meant to be a permanent theme, but um, yeah, so that – the Similars is about – six clones who come to a boarding school um, where the kids, the kids they were cloned from go already go to that school. And the, these kids have never met each other. So it's a, it's like a light sci-fi wow. kind of a um, little bit in the future, sort of, um, I forget, but you know, maybe 50 years in the future kind of set, you mm -hmm. know, set up. Um, and so they're confronted with someone that looks just like them. And the main character, Emma, her best friend, Oliver, uh, died tragically over the summer. And I'm sure you can guess what happens next, which is his clone, Levi, shows up at the school, looks just like him, um, is in her face all the time, but he isn't her <laughs> best friend. And, of course, there's, you know, there's romance and fun. Yes. You know, a lot of fun with that that happens. Um, so, um, yes, it is set at a boarding school. That, to be honest, that, um, that grew out of, me realizing in writing the book that I needed these kids to all live together because the oh, idea I that they, they're sort of stuck in a pressure cooker. They can't, yeah, um, they can't escape. Yeah. Was, was um, really at the heart of making the book work, to be honest. And so right. this boarding school kind of came to me and then I, I, that's kind of how that happened. Um, but it also, there, it plays a bigger role too in, in the story. But, um, but yes, both ideas. Do, I mean, I think I do have a little bit of um, fascination kind of with, um, with just what happens in these schools where people are, you know, really kind of striving for something and, and um, you know, kind of what that, what that means. 
Um, and maybe a little so being the, separated from everyone else, you know? Right. They're in a yeah, bubble. No, right, right. Yeah, certainly in that in that series, for sure. So, um, so yeah, it's fun. It, it came out about five years ago, I want to say. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, I know. Time flies, right? <laughs> time flies. But, um, but I'm, yeah, I'm super proud of it. I love YA. I, I always will. I hope to write more YA one day. I can only kind of do one thing at a time because of my three kids. Right, <laughs> right. Small detail. I'm, I'm, I, I can only kind of focus on one thing at a time. But, you know, I, for me, like, back in the day of, like, all the dystopian YA, like the Hunger Games and Divergent and, right. and all those, mm-hmm. and even, even, and, of course, Twilight um, was what kind of got me hooked on YA in the, right. you know, to start. And I sort of, there's, I have some inner, like, 14-year-old inside me who <laughs> still wants to <laughs> Love come angst. <laughs> so. Well, exactly. when I was when I was reading about the duology, I wrote down Umbrella Academy because I do love yes. Umbrella yes. Academy, and that kind of sounded along the little yes. sci-fi kind yes. of. <laughs> yes, it got it has I I was so tickled and proud when yeah when it people were saying oh this is like Umbrella Academy you know meets Gossip Girl or something you know it kind of has right. it has the sci-fi but um it you know it's meant to also sort of um to see a really fun fun ride like seeing what happens when these kids you know what happens I used to say like what would happen if Blair Waldorf from Gossip Girl like met another Blair Waldorf you know like what would right. how would that go down you know um and that was sort of part of part of part of it for me yeah I love that well as <laughs> as a big plotter do you ever because I'm I'm somewhere in between. I, I like to know where I'm going. I like to know the end, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. And, mm. and if yeah. I plot too much, I lose all the impulsion because for me, it's mm. the, what happens next is what gets me to the keyboard, you know, but I have friends who are like, you know, color coded index cards. I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh, you're yeah. giving me hives. How do you write yeah. it when you know every single thing? But sometimes there's still a surprise. Do you ever do you get yes. that? Was there a big surprise in this book? Totally. So I completely, um, I hear you. And I should, I should note that my, I do have kind of long, long documents. I don't, sometimes I use index cards. Sometimes if I really need to say, okay, how am I going to, what is the order? Right. Of, like, what are the, or, what's the order of operations? And then I want to move, kind of move the cards around on the carpet and like figure that out. <laughs> Um, but they're all scrapped with like scratch. Like I'm not, I don't have it all like beautifully <laughs> laid right. out. Right, um, laid out. And, and, you know, and my outlines are kind of like a big, big mess of ideas. But, but I do split them up chapter by chapter. Um, but yes, in that, com- for me, it gives me the freedom within the skeleton to sort of go veer off course if I need to. But then right. I right. always sort of have like, See, I'll use I'll use the term a guiding light, which is funny because we were just talking about guiding light, but like sort of a true north to bring me back to where I need to get to, if that makes sense. So I really use Save the Cat, um, and you know I know okay I'm going to be getting to my 75% mark, and you know I know that the the bad guys close in, like that's coming. So have I veered off too much, or do I need to like reel it? you know, reel myself back right. in kind of. So, yes, I don't, it is certainly not, the chapters never end up, you know, exactly where I thought they would, but sort of in the, in the zip code of where I thought. And yes, 
Um, this, this, uh, the last applicant, it, it did stay fairly on, but yes, I certainly ended up kind of move, shifting things, I would say. So like most of the content of what's in there is what I thought, but certainly, yes, there's, it's only like, the outline's like 75, 80%, and then there's, it leaves room for but it's so interesting that you find that, that, yeah, it's so interesting that you find that that's what gets you to the keyboard. I think I need just some tiny, like, okay, I know how, I know that this chapter ends on a big reveal, and then mm-hmm. I write towards, I write sort of towards it. And if I don't have that, to me, that kind of gives me hive to not know where I'm going. Right. <laughs> so, right. So My plotter friend <laughs> told me the thought of going to a blank page and not knowing yeah. what I'm going to write, she goes, ugh. So everyone's yeah. brain is different. You just yeah. have to honor your process. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, totally. That's something I've realized. It's so specific. And for me, you know, it is that TV background, though. Like, it really taught me to to outline, and I just can't shake it. But I'm I'm fine with that. If it's working, then I'm going to. I'm going to stick with it. I was going to ask you, I've had other authors on the podcast who have written for TV and it's like this giant team effort and you never get, you know, what you want completely and all this kind of thing. Is it more fun for you to write novels where you get to be in charge or do you miss that having a whole team? That's such a great question. I think, and I totally understand where they're coming from because yes, you have, there are, I mean, soaps work a little bit differently than like streaming or primetime, but it's still the general, you know, there's a writer's room and all right. that. It's still generally the same. And we had head writers and they were so brilliant. And yes, they mapped out, they were the plotters, right? They were plotting where the show was going and then they would give us our episodes to write. Mm-hmm. I, again, I found it so fun and kind of freeing that I still got to be creative within the structure that they gave me. Like they certainly weren't saying that it had to, Right. All line up. Like the midpoint of the episode, like didn't have to be exactly what they, you know, they, our job was to sort of like riff on what they'd given us. Right. I found that kind of free. Yeah. And like for a job. Yeah. And, you know, for a a job day in, day out, like uh, it was the honestly kind of the perfect mix for me, but I will say, yes, there's, so that your answer, the answer is sort of like yes and no because now <laughs> I do love I love that I'm I'm in control but it comes with a lot of responsibility too like I don't mm-hmm. have anyone to say does this work like <laughs> you know right so, I mean I have an editor and all and all that but it's it's not it's very much falls on me and that's um, right that's right. no I collaboration yeah so I miss I miss the collaboration but on the other hand like for me in my life. Um, being able to just kind of jump on my laptop and work when I have the free time is it's a better lifestyle fit. So, you know, it's there's pros and cons, I would say. Right. Either. Do you see yourself ever going back to write for TV or are you just going to stick with books? Um, well, I have still kind of been um, doing, I guess I would say I have a toe in it still and um, got to work on an adaptation of um, my YA, YA series. It's still kind of in development. So, and oh, probably that's all I can say about that. But but that was mm-hmm. exciting and cool. So I would say yes, I still have a toe in it for sure, um, which is sort of perfect, kind of the perfect balance. Which is I would I never say never. I would love to still kind of be involved in, um, and we'll see we'll see where things go. Um, it's very um, it's unknown to me where where that might head. But 
Right. I'm okay with that. Sort of <laughs> see how things. And I worked on a couple of scripted podcasts a few years back, like fiction podcasts, which oh, fun. was really fun to get to write. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm still in it a little bit. Okay. Well, I, I wrote down that you have made the New York Times list and you've won an Emmy. So we were talking achievements versus accomplishments, but do you have any other big dreams that are on your list? Because I'm like, dude, oh my <laughs> you've gosh. done it. What, are, um, what else do you want to do? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I would love to see, to actually see one of my books adapted, you know, on, on screen somehow. That, yes. That's most probably most everyone's dream but for me it's it is it would be extra special you know coming from from the tv world so i would love that and then honestly um just getting to continue doing doing what i'm doing is oh and 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 it, it is for me more the accomplishment at this point in my life than the achievement um no, in the is. sense that like i just love i love writing I love reaching readers. I love that your daughter loved the book. And that's, <laughs> that's it for me. I mean, really, at the end of the day, all the shiny gold stars, like, don't matter if you're not enjoying what you're doing. And, like, I want to get out of bed and want to go to my keyboard, you know. So if I can yes. keep doing that, then I'm happy. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, we are actually running out of time. Dang it. I could keep talking, but uh, how can readers like my daughter who get really excited about your book, how can they get in touch with you? Are you on social media? Do you have newsletter? What should they do? Yes. Yes. I think um, just finding my Instagram, which is just Rebecca Hanover on um, is my handle and you can, I see my DMs and comments and all that kind of thing, you know, or going to my website, RebeccaHanover.com, um, and that's it. You, you'll find me there um, in one of those. And um, I would, I always love to hear from readers. So that's amazing. And this has been such a blast. And I could keep going on and on, as you said. So thank you so much for all these amazing and fun questions. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks so much for coming on. And everyone who's listening, quickly run out and grab the last applicant. It will keep you turning pages even in the busy holiday time. Thanks for being here, Rebecca. Thank thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.